So this morning we are continuing our series uh, that we started last week. So we started a new series specifically talking about grace, but the uh, series title is Bridge to Freedom. And we've talked about how really we, as we live on the Cape and when you see any place that you may go to that has a bridge, often a bridge is that thing that takes you from one place to another. It takes you from where you were to where you want to be. And often it takes you through, it could be a valley, it could be a river, it could be you know, a canal, whatever it may be, that you have to cross from one side to the other. And so what we've been talking about and what I talked about last week was simply that grace becomes the bridge to get us from where we are today in our spiritual lives to where we want to be. In fact, it's the bridge to freedom. And as we continue to learn about what grace is, And how it works in our lives. My hope and prayer is that we begin to live our Christian faith maybe a little bit differently. Because it's so easy to fall into the trap of just following rules. And we know that our faith is much more than that. We've, of course, talked about the theme scripture passage for this particular series. is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is what it says as a reminder. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Anybody say amen to that? So last week we learned that it isn't something you can earn or purchase. You cannot purchase God's grace. You cannot buy it on Amazon. You cannot buy it online. You cannot purchase God's grace in your life. It's not something that you can do enough good deeds to achieve. It's a free gift that God gives to each one of us. And understanding grace is not the same thing as religion. We talked about that last week. Grace is not the same thing as religion. Because it's not based on what we do. If you're a religion, it's based on what you do for your God. But when we talk about grace, we talk about what God has done for us. Not because we were good enough. Not because we could pay enough. Not because we could do enough good deeds. But simply because of his blessings and, uh, on our lives. And we continue to follow him. And it's out of a heart of gratitude that we obey, not because we're trying to achieve some level of our salvation. So in order to get from where we are in our spiritual lives to where we want to be, we need a bridge that will get us there. We need something that will take us from where we are today to that next step in our faith. Because one thing I know about the Christian faith is this, and you know this too. If you've been around long enough, you know that the Christian faith was never something meant 
to be something that you just accept Christ and then your life continues the same way throughout the rest of your life. But our discipleship and the way that we continue to grow in our faith, there's an expectation there that we continue to grow in our faith, that we continue to draw closer, that we're not satisfied with just where we are, but we want to get somewhere further. And again this morning, we're going to continue to talk about how grace becomes that bridge to where we are today, to where we want to be. And until the day that you're placed in the grave, the expectation is that you're continuing to grow in your faith. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, every one of us need to be stretching our faith a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. You see, the bridge is a correct understanding of grace, how it works in our lives, and how we walk in that grace. But in order to truly appreciate grace, we have to go back to where we were prior to God's grace in our lives. You may need to think back a little ways. Where were you before God's grace came into your life? Where would you be today without it? I shudder to think where I would be without God's grace in my life today. There's a story told by a pastor named Matt Woodley that speaks about the reminder of, of God's grace in our lives. He talks about his friend Emilio, who owns this tiny pizza place, and he has the best New York pizza on Long Island. Of course, everybody says they have the best New York pizza. So he lays claim to that. And Matt Woodley, Pastor Matt, would go into this place and have conversations with Emilio. You know, Emilio hate, hates, hated organized religion. Above the stove where he sticks the orders, puts those orders up there above the stove, he collects small newspaper clippings about flawed and fallen ministers. I, he called it his rack of shame. Every time he came in for pizza, Emilio would lean over the counter and slide a few slipping, uh, clippings his way on the counter and whisper, hey, look at this. This padre walked off with $80,000. This pastor slept with three church members. This guy abused little boys for 20 years. Okay, do you get why I don't need your church? Then with a triumphant flair, he sticks the articles back on his rack of shame. A few months ago, he got fed up with this clergy bashing, so he cried out, what does this prove, Emilio? So priests and pastors do despicable things. What if I started a rack of shame for people in your profession, and then declared that I would never eat pizza. Actually, over the next few weeks, he used those next few weeks to look up articles to see if he can find any articles on pizza makers, but he couldn't find anything on pizza makers doing nasty things. Maybe spitting in pizza or something. He just couldn't find anything. There was nothing in the news. Apparently, it doesn't sell. Or maybe apparently pizza guys just live clean, pretty clean lives. I don't know. Finally, a month or two after bickering back and forth with Emilio, he said, you know what? 
I need to order two slices of cheese, and I need to ask your forgiveness. Emilio bristled, and he shot back, Is this a joke or a trick? No, really, Emilio, I'm truly sorry for being a jerk and arguing with you. And I want the cheese slices, too. Because the truth is, ministers do mess up. The truth is, we can be all pretty decent people, but sometimes we're frauds and hypocrites. Sometimes I'm a sham. Emilio immediately softened, and they become good friends. But he didn't say this as an evangelism strategy. He said it because it's true, and it's the gospel. I love the line that summarizes the gospel this way. We are more flawed than we would ever dare to admit. And we're more loved than we'd ever dare to imagine. I'm not sure why it's so hard for us to get this simple truth. Like you and like me, we all qualify for the cosmic rack of shame. Could you imagine your mug up there on that rack of shame at the pizzeria? But God, through his infinite mercy, Jesus took our place on that rack. And where our face once was, his face now sits. A man named John Bradford, he was an English evangelical preacher, and he was a martyr in his faith in the 1500s. And he said this quote, he said, But for the grace of God, go I. But for the grace of God, go I. In other words, if it wasn't for the grace of God, John Bradford would be on that rack of shame. His face would be there. And so would yours, and so would mine. See, when we think about the song, when we sing about amazing grace, to truly sing the meaning, you have to understand where you've, you've come from what you've come from, from where you were then to where you are today. There's this line in Amazing Grace that just really got me thinking this past week. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I don't know about any of you, but when I was a kid, I used to think that they were singing wrench, like a tool. But maybe that's appropriate too, that saved a tool like me. I don't know, but it could be. So he didn't save a wrench like me. He saved a wretch. So what does that mean? What does wretch mean? It means a miserable person, one who is profoundly unhappy or in great misfortune. It means a base, despicable, and vile person. So we're singing that about us. He saved a wretch like me. You see, how we understand ourselves contributes to how much we truly appreciate grace. When Jesus spoke about this to the Pharisees, he said, which one would love me more? The one that sinned much and was forgiven? Or the one that was self-righteous and thought that they were perfect already? Amazing grace. What if, what if we all just... Well, we're all basically good, right? People are just basically good. So that, 
line just doesn't work for me. And we decide we want to change it to maybe something like, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that assisted the best, like me. Doesn't quite have the same ring, does it? Will a person who truly thinks that he is already good truly appreciate grace or truly appreciate the lyrics of the hymn Amazing Grace? No, because they already see themselves as good enough or basically good people just the way that they are. They don't need the grace that the gospel offers, or so they think. But it's an amazing grace for those of us who know our sin, and yet we know that we're still forgiven. Now, one person in the Bible that I think has a pretty good understanding of what grace looks like, and it became a physical enactment of grace in his life, was a man named Barabbas. Of all people that should understand grace, Barabbas should understand grace completely and fully. If you want to know about grace, Barabbas is your guy. But we don't often hear much about Barabbas. Not a lot of messages are preached about this man, although he was in all four Gospels in the New Testament. There's only a few verses about who he was and what he did in the past. But you know the story. Jesus is brought before Pilate. And there are four times that Pilate tried to pass Jesus off to someone else to make decisions. The first time, of course, we know that he told the religious people to handle the matter on their own. This is a religious matter. You guys handle it. Then he tries to refer Jesus to Herod to deal with. Maybe Herod can take care of this. Then he tries to convince them to release Jesus as the one prisoner that they usually let go on the, on the Sabbath. Or right, let go on the Passover, I should say. They would have none of that. And then he also tried to appease them by simply whipping Jesus so violently that he was almost unrecognizable. And he thought maybe that would be enough for people. But none of that satisfied the crowd. They say, no, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. And from what we do know of Barabbas, he has a little bit of a rap sheet. He has a little bit of a reputation from what we've heard in all four Gospels. Matthew says he was a notorious criminal. Notorious criminal. We don't know the details, but he was a criminal. Mark gives us a little more detail. He says he was convicted of murder and insurrection. Luke tells us that he was a murderer and was an insurrectionist against the government. So he took one step further, not just an insurrectionist, but an insurrectionist against the governor. And John says simply that he was a criminal. Now imagine what it must have been like for Barabbas. He was sitting on this dusty floor. He knew that what he did, he deserved death. Maybe he even knew that he was a wretch or a wrench or a tool, whatever you choose to use for that. But here he is thinking it's his final moments. He certainly will be crucified. He certainly will die for his sin. Death was imminent. And suddenly, he hears footsteps walking up to that cell door. He hears the guard coming down the hallway, and he knows his time is soon. 
And that door suddenly swings open, and, and he is waiting for the guard to speak, assuming that the guard would say something along the lines of, you know what, it's time to pay for your sins, buddy. What you have done is now going to be accounted for. But he hears something else. Barabbas, you're free to go. They took Jesus instead of you. He must have been wondering, what just happened? I thought my death was sure. What just happened? What changed? You know what happened? Grace happened for Barabbas in that prison cell. And the thing about that is, is we have more in common with Barabbas than what we think. Don't we? We are notorious sinners. We are saved by grace. We were set free when we deserved death. You know, some people stay away from the word sin. But God's word speaks about sin. It's something we have to handle. It's something we have to deal with. And there's a very practical way to think about it. You know, sin is not just some regrettable lapse that we just kind of made a mistake one day and God's waiting to pound us into the sand. It's not an occasional stumble. Sin stages a rebellion against God and against God's regime. Sin storms the castle, lays claim to God's throne, and defies his authority and says, I'm putting myself on the throne. It's insurrection. And you and I are rebels just like Barabbas. We have insurrection because we've taken over the throne of our lives. It's not that some of us have rebelled. It's that every one of us, at one level or one time or another, have been rebels. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 says, No one is righteous. Not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Now this is an unpopular truth. Yet it's essential to truly appreciate grace. Because if you don't understand your sin, then it's really difficult to understand grace and to appreciate God's grace at work in your life. But you see, grace is where it all starts for us. We must start where God starts. And where does God start? You see, we don't appreciate what grace does until we understand that we are Barabbas. We sit behind the prison walls made of fear, made of hurt, made of hate. We live in a jail of our past, our choices, our pride. We have been found guilty, but we hear the footsteps of the guard coming near the entrance, and he says, we have been set free. This man named Jesus took our punishment. We have been set free. What's the scripture say? He that is free is free. Indeed, 
we never really hear the rest of the story of Barabbas. History is thin with any more details. Did he react with scorn? Was he thankful? We don't know. But what I do know is this. You get to determine yours. You were in that prison cell. You get to determine what you do with yours. Jesus has set you free. And you can be set free. You know, we need to personalize that just for a second because sometimes it's so easy to say, well, God so loved the world. And it's a lot easier to say that than say, God so loved me. Christ died for the world, but some of us have a difficult time with saying, Christ died for me. For my sins, he died. He took my place on the cross. He carried my sins. You see, when we pray the sinner's prayer, when we confess our sin, grace is what happens to us. Grace is what happens to me. Grace is what happens to you. I am set free, and you are set free, even though you don't deserve it. Later in Romans, this is what Paul says to the Roman church in Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. He says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. You see how we're like Barabbas? He freed us from the penalty of our sin. And you can experience that kind of life and grace today because Jesus offers that life, that forgiveness in our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you hear those footsteps coming down the hall and you think it's over for you. Or maybe you're listening online and you're thinking the same thing. It's over for me. But then you hear footsteps. You're being released. It's a gift. It's undeserved. But you know what? You still have to get up and walk out of that cell, don't you? You can refuse to go, which would be kind of silly. But you've been set free. You don't have to live in the prison cell anymore. If you've ever been praying to be released from your sin or your past, today is your day to do that. If you're a Christian and you've continually struggled over your past, today is the day to lay it down and recognize that you've been freed of that. You're no longer in prison or in chains or in bondage. Today is the day of your salvation. And it's all it takes is a simple prayer and then believing. You can be forgiven. You can be given a fresh start. You can be cleansed. every head bowed and every eye closed this morning if today whether you're watching online or you're here live in service you would like to give your life to Christ or maybe rededicate your life to Christ today recognizing that you were a prisoner and you can be set free you can say a prayer like this the words aren't that important but what matters is in your heart that you're saying Lord Please give me freedom. Say, Lord, thank you for your grace in my life. Every one of us here can say that.
I want to be free from the prisons of my sin, my fear, my hurt, my hate. And today I receive the gift of your salvation and grace and ask you to come into my life and set me free. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, you've taken a first step, but we know that this is a journey and that there's a process involved. We want, I think you should find a good Bible-believing church and get involved there where you can hear more and continue to grow in your faith. Congregation, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. You know, we talked about the gospel. We talked about freedom. We've talked about grace. We've talked about how grace begins to work in our lives and takes us from where we were to where we are today. And many of you have experienced God's grace in your life. And you can attest to the work of his grace in you. But again, as I stated this morning, we need to personalize this grace in our lives. So I'm going to have you repeat after me, and I've taken the Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 24, and I've made it personal. So you're going to state it as if, it, as if it's coming from you. I am made right with God. Go ahead, repeat that. By placing my faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for me because I believe no matter who I am. For I have sinned. I fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes me right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed me from the penalty of my sin. Amen. This week, go and live in the grace that Christ provides in your life, recognizing that work of grace in your life, and extend that grace to others this week until we meet again. God bless you, and have a great Sunday.